confidants. Three people that they could, they could confide in. A recent poll showed that 25% had zero. 25% of Americans, zero people that they could actually be real with, they could confide in, they could open up with. George Gallup of Gallup Poll fame said, quote, you know, studies, studies everyone, every, anywhere. And he says, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. Uh, with loneliness also comes all sorts of health problems. Uh, one study found that loneliness, the feeling, the experience of, of being lonely and alone in the world, is worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Has had a greater impact on your lifespan than obesity. And multiple studies have tied it to heart disease, dementia, and of course anxiety and depression. This is the loneliest ac- epidemic that we're in as a culture. So good morning. Uh, welcome to church. I'm so glad you're here. You're not alone. Hug tunnel might be appropriate. Um, and so that's, that's just a little bit about where we're at. And, and, and I, I don't want to be naive to think that that's not the case even among many of us. Right? We come together, we, we have this feeling of maybe once a week getting together, but but it doesn't mean that I'm, I feel known or I feel like I know you deeply. Right? There's, there's, a, there's a sense where we can come together, but there's, there's another level, and, uh, and that's what we call community. And, and, and this may be an, an entry into that, but it can't be the whole of it. It can't be the whole of what the Bible talks about when it says community, because when we read Scripture, we see life Together, We'll read a passage in just a minute. There's far more than a weekly gathering of autonomous individuals coming together to sing songs and hear a message. There's far more than that. And so, and so we have this, this, this rub where we have kind of our comfort zone. And then we have what the Bible invites us into through the, through the resurrection of Jesus, which is a diverse people coming together under the common Jesus, the one Lord, in a shared place, which might be your home, which might be your your neighborhood, it might be a table, it might be this, this space, but it's, there's an there's a, there's a integration, there's life that's done together. And so, uh, so this morning I have a task talking about how truth works itself out in community. So a word on each. Uh, first, here's, here's kind of the, for many, the go-to passage when we, when we hear the word community um, from Acts 2. This is just after... The Holy Spirit fell on the, on the people waiting in the upper room in Jerusalem and, and Peter preaches and a bunch of people are saved and, and then it kind of fast forwards and it, and it just describes the moment in the church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen, Amen, right? We read this, and and I don't know you, but I'm like, ah, that's so amazing. That's exciting. That's, That's incredible. That's all voluntary. And it's so loving and generous and and I'm like, man, I, I want that. But then, 
But then we get into it and be like, oh, man, this is actually really hard. Amen. This, is not, this isn't just something that, that is this, like, this easy thing. This is very difficult. Uh, quick story. So Chloe and I moved recently, well, actually a few years ago, but uh, into the Edison neighborhood of Kalamazoo, if you're familiar at all, south side of town. And we found this house that we loved. And, and after being there a little while, we realized, man, there's such an opportunity right here to just love on the kids on our street. Tons of kids running around everywhere. Not, not a lot of parental supervision. Uh, a lot of divorced families. A lot of single parents. All that. It's pretty common. And we just felt like, man, well, let us, what if we just made our home just a place where, where kids could just come and hang out and, uh, and just be loved and you know, give them popsicles or water or whatever they need just so that they know they can, they can hang out there. So, so this is what we have. Uh, friends of ours gave us the swing sets recently where, where uh, you know, the kids can swing. And it's kind of for little kids, but bigger kids don't realize that. And so they try to use it and they break it and they got to fix it, all that stuff. And it's not anchored into the ground really well. It's probably my fault. And so it kind of lifts up when you swing. But it's all right. So the two kids, Gray and Kobe, they are both probably six or seven, both really aggressive young boys. And... Uh, and they just are very similar, and because they're so similar, they don't get along very well, because they're both dominant. And so, um, so there's this little bar where you do pull-ups on it or whatever. Well, one of them's on it, and then the other one tries to get on it, and they end up hurting each other. And so this happens once or twice, and I go out and I, I, st- I set them down, and I say, hey guys, we can't, we can't do that here. Like, no kicking, no punching, we just, if you, if you end up hurting each other, you're going to have to go home. And so I go back inside. I don't know if I was helping Chloe with something or what. And then I, and then I hear, Ugh! and I come, I come walking outside, and Gray had kicked Kobe like, in the stomach, like, and he was just on the ground. And I'm just thinking, I don't want to deal with this. I don't, why, why are you doing this? Just get along. And so I go up to him, and I have some grace, and I talk to him. I said, guys, just be nice to each other. Just don't, just take turns. This, this is what, how it works, okay? I go back inside. A couple minutes later, the same thing happens. And, and, and that's how it is with community, right? We have this, this, this idea, this dream, like, oh man, it's just so good. People can just come into my house and I'll feed them and I'll love them and I'll care for them. But then it actually happens and, and real life hits our, our idea or our ideal, or our dream, and, and it actually just implodes. Right. And, so, and you just want to withdraw. You just want to, actually, it's not what I wanted. That's not what I signed up for. This is requiring too much of me. This is too difficult. I would rather not do this. Right. And so I'm just maybe going to back up. Right. Has anybody ever had that experience? <laughs> right? this, is, this isn't for the faint of heart. This is difficult stuff. Uh, and so real life is hitting into this space where it was just a good idea before. Um, and, we, and we feel like, you know, maybe this is, this is too much. Um, we were talking about community. I want to mention a few things about what community is, is, is not, just to kind of define the terms here. Um, so, so in an age, of, an age of mass media connection, everyone feels like they're connected to everybody through, through Marco Polo and FaceTime and Instagram and Facebook and just transportation and everything, Community is not connection. We're, we're more connected in our world than ever before. I can FaceTime my sister in Alaska 
and say, hey, how you doing? And we're live. But we're not, we're not in community together. We're not doing life together. She lives 100,000 miles away. So, so we have this illusion, though, that through the, through, the, through the connection provided through the Internet, or through social media in particular, that, that we're in community with more people than ever. And yet, statistically, we're more lonely than ever before because, because there's, this, there's this facade that, oh, I, I, I know so much about so many people, but I don't feel known at all. And I don't really know anybody at all. Right. And so community is not connection. Um, we also need to know that community is not just chemistry. Uh, a friend of mine through seminary, we were, just, we were just tight. We were just close, best friends. In, in, while we were going through school together, we were in community. We were often together praying with each other, just hanging out, getting to know each other. And it happened to be that we had really good chemistry, which is a plus, by the way. <laughs> but just having chemistry with someone is not community. My friend Josh, he lives in Mount Pleasant now. Uh, we don't do life together. We talk once in a while on the phone. Still have great chemistry, but we don't have community because there's not proximity. There's not life together. A third one that I want to spend a little more time on is uh, what we can call tribalism, which is culturally very... People don't understand. This is, this is important to distinguish. Community, in its true Jesus sense, is based on mutual love. Tribalism is based on mutual hate. It's the coming together of people against them. That's not what community is. Community is mutual love. Community is about who and what we are for. Tribalism is about who and what we are against. I think often the church can get all muddled up in, 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 in not understanding the difference. And we can find ourselves in a posture of defensiveness or of againstness. And that's really not the posture of Jesus and the, and the way that he's forming his life in the church. And then finally, community is about generosity and honor and celebration of the other. While tribalism is a zero-sum battle for scarce resources where it is kill or be killed. If, quote, God sets the lonely in families, then individualism sets the lonely in tribes. It's the world we live in, and it's way easier to find the common enemy than to find a common love. But the way of Jesus is, is the way that invites us into community that requires sacrifice, that requires devotion and love. And so, so to go back to this, just the first verse in Acts 2, 42, that we read earlier. It says, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Here is just a beautiful snapshot of truth working itself out in community. Right? What, is, what, what, what were the apostles' teachings? Right? The apostles' teachings were the, the essence of of Jesus' teachings to the apostles. They were the essence of what, what it meant to, to, to know and to follow and to live truth. These weren't just moral concepts that could be lived out in isolation, but these were, these were truths that were to be lived out in the community with one another, in doing life 
together. Uh, Jesus taught and lived and made claims about total reality. Not just these abstract ideas. And so, um, and so the apostles' teachings, right, that was what they were devoted to. There was a, there was a, a standard that everyone was able to hold each other to versus which is, right, the, the reason that we need truth and a, and, a, and a grounding in truth in community. Otherwise, how can, I, how can I hold you to anything? How can I hold you or even call you to account or call you up into anything if there's no, if there's no standard, if there's no teaching that we live our life in agreement on? And, and then fellowship, right? Community. It's, it's life together. Where? Around a table, around bread, around the Lord's Supper, around the breaking of bread, the drinking of wine, and, and around a meal shared. Amen. And then not just talking about God, not just talking that as if we know God, but actually praying together, actually connecting with God together. That's the vision of the church. So, so we have this, this verse here. Um, earlier this year, we introduced this axis, I guess you could call it. Would there be a better word for this? I'm not sure. Graph, whatever it is. Okay, so, so we need grace and truth, right? That's the whole premise of this, of this year. We're talking about how Jesus was full of grace and truth, and now the church, what does it look like to live this out, to know the God of grace and to know the God of, of truth, and to live accordingly. So start, starting in the bottom left, in terms of community and the dynamics of a group together, we can have low grace and low truth, what we can call apathetic. So, so I have nothing to hold you to because there's no standard to which we agree to. And I don't, I'm not really willing to bear with you or to, or to you know, tolerate your ignorance. And so there's really apathy. It's just there's not much there that holds it together. Uh, if you go to the bottom right, you got high truth, low grace. Often this is the religious spirit. Often the church can occupy this space. High truth, high value, very quick to call out, to, to condemn, to, to just recognize the sin that's existent in your life. And, but no real grace, no real invitation in, no real acknowledgement that, hey man, I bear that with you. Hey, I struggle with that same thing. Hey, we're together in this walking toward Jesus who's the only one who's perfect. So that's, that's condemning, not real conducive to true community. A lot of facade, a lot of pretense, a lot of fake, uh, faking it. Okay, then we have high grace, low truth. Permissive, right? So I can't really hold you to anything because it's all grace. It's all love. It's all just do whatever you want. But, um, but there's nothing that really connects us. There's nothing that we we, 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 we agree really hold each other to. There's nothing that bonds us together. There's not a, a common ground that we stand on. And so, um, and so it's really hard to move forward in this sort of setting because you're going off, off the rails and you're damaging yourself and, and the people in your life. But I don't really know how to, to, to say anything to you because, uh, because I just want to be loving. And I don't know how to be loving to you and say something that's challenging. Because I have this idea of, of that, that grace is just telling you what you want to hear, not telling you what you need to hear. Amen. And there's a big difference. Come on. And then we have high grace and high truth, which we can call just loving. 
in the, in the actual biblical sense of the word, uh, which, is, which is this idea of we have a common life, a common tr- like basis of reality that we're able to hold each other to, where if I'm going off the rails, you can, you can actually come to me and call me up into who I'm supposed to be. And if you're you know, having issues, I can bear that with you and I can walk alongside you with you in that space. And I can love you and invite you in and reach out to you in, in, in your time of need. This isn't in your notes, but I think it's a fascinating and compelling uh, and challenging quote. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a mid-early 20th century German pastor, theologian, ended up being killed under the Nazi um, regime. He says this in his book, Life Together. There can, be, there can be nothing more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. Uh, this, is, this is very hard for us because we, we, we feel like we're, we're immediately condemning. We're immediately like, I don't, know, I don't feel loving in that space. But when we realize that Jesus in his love calls us to repentance, to, to actually turn from our sin to follow him, there's a different frame of, frame of reference for this. And so the way, here's, here's a passage in Ephesians that kind of ex, expounds on what it might look like to, um, to live this out in the community. Talking about the apostles, the prophets, all building up the church to, to live in maturity. And it says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced by when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is what it looks like for people to actually live and move and have their being together or we bear with each other. And not only are we willing to speak the truth, but we're willing to, to hear it. Amen. Amen. And live it together in mutual love. So the New Testament assumes uh, a couple things about you if you're reading it, if you consider yourself part of the church. One is that you're in community. Like you're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just doing it. That's, just, that's an assumption uh, of you as you read Scripture. And the second assumption is that it's really messy. It's really hard. It's really uh, awkward and difficult and requires a lot of work and sacrifice. Uh, and so let's look at a scene from, uh, from really, from, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily see it, but it's actually fascinating and, and relevant to our moment. So, so Jesus is calling the disciples um, to follow him. And in Matthew, it gives a couple descriptions of two of them that we'll look at. Okay, so it says, here are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, so these are the twelve. 
the two what we can call monikers or kind of descriptions of the guys who followed him. We have Matthew the tax collector, right? Tax collectors were, uh, were essentially on the payroll of Rome. These were guys who, who essentially kind of betrayed their Jewish cause and worked for the Roman government to tax the Jewish people to, so that they would pay a heavy tax, get, get paid a lot off the top, and then give it to the Roman government. And so considered traitors, considered filthy, considered just, you know, bad guys. Not really well respected or loved at all. This is, so Matthew is a tax collector, and he's called to follow Jesus. And then you have Simon the Zealot, right? We don't know a lot, but we know that the zealots in that era were uh, kind of like right-wing extremists willing to take on guerrilla warfare to kill Roman soldiers because Rome was the oppressor. And so you have, imagine breakfast, right? You have Simon the Zealot who prides himself and his, and his group on taking on like killing Roman officers. And then you have Matthew the tax collector who gets paid by Rome and is considered a traitor by his people. Both of them together are called to follow Jesus. Not just together separately, but together in very close proximity. And so, so, so to consider the moment that we live, right? Jesus calls Matthew to follow him, and he calls Simon to follow him, right? There's, there's some political... Odd, oddities right now where, where we find we feel like somehow God is is like aligned with with one over the other. But Jesus is saying, no, both under are coming under the my 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 teaching, my my life, my my who I am, and I'm calling them both to follow me. Yeah. Come on, Together. Come on. In unity. Right? The call is you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And I think there's, there's reason, I think, to give these descriptions of these guys because this wasn't just everyone was on the same team and we're all moved. It was, there was conflict, right? Simon goes, dude, you're a traitor. How could, you, how could you ever work for Rome? And Matthew goes, you're a murderer. You, and, and you're just standing up throwing oatmeal at each other. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not, and Jesus is like, you know, hey guys, forgive each other. But it takes work to move together and to live and, 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 and grow together in community. So was there conflict? Absolutely. Was there disagreement? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it was Jesus and his way, his life, his ministry that they were saying yes to that they were submitting to, that they were committed to devoting themselves to and walking with, the, with each other in. Yeah. And, so, and so there's this call that we have, and it, and it isn't necessarily conducive in this environment, and it would require you to actually go beyond what's convenient, go beyond what's comfortable, maybe even go beyond what's accommodating to your schedule at this point of, of your life. But to actually live this out, looks like not just waiting for it to happen, but it looks like actually doing it. It actually looks like inviting people into your life, opening up your home, becoming available, not with the illusion that it's all going to be easy and deep immediately and, and, and incredible, but with the, with, the real, with the realistic expectation that this is, this is, the, this is the, 
the way that Jesus grows us up into his, his maturity is by doing life together, by loving each other, by working it out together. And so, really, just when I was praying about this, uh, you know, this, this message and how it sits and how it fits with, with where we're at as a church, um, I just believe there's, there's some of us here who, who just, need to, just need to say, no, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to just, just wait. I'm not just going to wait for the church to come up with a, a really great thing for me to, to do community. And I'm going to actually just love people. Come on. I'm going to actually just love people really well yeah. and open up my life to them and, and actually go for it. And so that's my encouragement to you uh, this morning. When I was praying and, and just uh, talking with God about this message, I felt like you showed me a picture of a sunflower. And so... I put a picture of a sunflower up here for us. Uh, and I just, I just kind of felt like there was a sense of, I'll just read it to you. I love you enough to put you in places that will force you to grow. Growth isn't directionless. Growth is oriented toward a goal. Just as the sunflower reaches toward the sun, so the Christian reaches toward Christ. Without rain and sunlight, the sunflower couldn't grow. And without grace and truth in community, the Christian cannot grow. And so I just want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Um, just, to, just to open up our, our hearts and just to say, God, how do you, how, how do you want me to respond to this? Uh, how, how can I hear what you're saying and act on it? So God, we pray right now. Uh, with, with, a, with a realistic recognition that, that what we read about in Scripture, what, what we've been called to today, is, uh, requires devotion, requires commitment, requires sacrifice, requires a deep conviction that, God, it's through community, it's through people coming together under the one Jesus that we actually can grow up into who you're calling us to be. So, Father, right now we recognize that this is difficult, that this is hard, that, this is, that we have our own dreams and ideals of what community is. I pray, God, that you would just as firmly but gently just tear those down and, God, build a realistic vision of what community is and, what, and how you're calling us to it. Um, that isn't just a nice like, option, but, God, is, is essential for the life of Jesus to flow through his church. So Father, show us what we can do. Show us what we need to do, even even today, God, to engage with this call, to recognize, um, not just with our minds, but with our action, God, that you are the Lord of your church and you're building your church and you're calling me and and, and you and each of us to to live it out, to love one another well and... uh, and bear each other's burdens, and live life together. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray, help us in this. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.